Welcome back Welcome to the podcast right here streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. It's the Chris Mathis Podcast, and I'm Chris Mathis, joined by Spencer Mathis once more. Check us out at TCM underscore pod on all social medias. If you need a refresher, check the uh, scroller, the ticker at the bottom of the screen right there to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, everywhere. YouTube, subscribe. Please go subscribe to our YouTube channel. But big show in store for you guys today. It's going to be short and sweet. I want to start it off, first of all, being a football fan and being a Buccaneer fan with this huge news from uh, Monday morning in which Tom Brady posted this photo to Twitter, said, back to work. It looks like he's in Florida tossing the rock around in a Buccaneers helmet. And I know that not only as a fan of the Buccaneers, but a fan of football and a fan of Tom Brady, that gets me excited for this upcoming season. Can Tom Brady have another great season in Tampa Bay? Year three after taking some time off, we'll find out. And Spence, I know that you saw that tweet earlier and you said uh, nothing beats seeing Tom Brady in that Buccaneer helmet. Yeah, it's never going to get old to see Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform or helmet or whatever it be. But this year, Tom Brady has another chance to make history. If he wins the Super Bowl, he's the first quarterback in NFL history to win the Super Bowl with three different head coaches, which is wild. That goes Bill Belichick, Bruce Arians, and then the new Buccaneers head coach, Todd Bowles. So that would be amazing if Tom Brady could win the Super Bowl and they've got a good chance at it this year after they killed the draft yeah no doubt I think they made some critical decisions in terms of adding key depth I like the defensive lineman pick there in the first or in the second round um, and then I really like that running back that they picked to Rashad White I think yeah. he's gonna be solid behind Leonard Fournette after a year in which Giovanni Bernard came to Tampa for one year um, I don't believe he resigned right uh, I'm not sure Okay, I don't think he's re-signed, but either way, last year he was hurt. A bit of a letdown. Actually, you know what? He did re-sign. A bit of a letdown last year. Um, I think he'll be okay, but I think that a guy like Rashad Wright, almost six foot tall, 207 or eight pounds, something along that nature. He's a beast of running back. Great speed for his size and uh, also has uh, great ball carrier vision too and pleads and praises pass protection, which Tom Brady loves, and that's a reason why Ronald Jones is no longer a Buccaneer running back because he could not protect Tom Brady consistently, and I like that decision. But we're talking some playoff hockey right here in today's podcast. Before we dive right into that and talk about our big three here on another edition of the Chris Mathis Podcast, a shout-out to our sponsor of the big three. It's, of course, Information On Demand. They bring you the big three Information on demand, pre-employment background screening services offering fast, accurate, and affordable background screening services. Whether you need criminal background checks, drug screenings, e-verify, academic accreditations, or other screening services, they've got you covered. And you can rest easy knowing a highly trained search team will get you the information in just eight hours or less. That's right, eight hours or less. Information on demand, they're fast, they're accurate and affordable pre-employment background screening services. Give them a call today, 855-914-4636, 855-914-4636, or better yet, check out Information On Demand at informationondemand.net. And we're talking some Stanley Cup playoff hockey right here on the podcast as we've got a crazy stacked uh, playoff situation across the league Colorado Avalanche, Nashville Predators, Minnesota Wild playing against the St. Louis Blues, Calgary Flames taking on the Dallas Stars, Edmonton Oilers and the LA Kings, Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. That's a pretty solid series. Toronto Maple Leafs, 
and the Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes, and the Boston Bruins, and of course the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins to round it out. And basically we're going to pick um, each playoff bracket, each round, and then go into our Stanley Cup prediction and how many games it'll happen. And I'll start off in the Eastern Conference first um, with the Colorado Avalanche, right? Yeah. Colorado Avalanche in the Eastern, or is that flip-flop, Spence? You got it flip-flopped. Okay, so Eastern Conference first. We'll start off with the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. Uh, I've got the Florida Panthers prevailing. And then looking at the next set of games in that next bracket, the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm a diehard Lightning fan. They're back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. And Toronto's hungry to prove everybody wrong and finally win a playoff series. But I do think that Tampa Bay... Wins the series in six games. Uh, they'll win the next two games in that series. So I've got the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay in that next tier of brackets. And then the next following set of games, Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. I've got the Bruins taking that series. And then the New York Rangers beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. And between that matchup, the Bruins and the Rangers, I've got the Rangers winning. So looking here, we've got Tampa Bay against Florida. Rangers against Bruins. Rangers win that series. I've got the Florida Panthers beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. So then we look at the Florida Panthers and the New York Rangers to uh, signify who's going to be playing in the Stanley Cup and the Eastern Conference. And I've got the Florida Panthers advancing to the Stanley Cup this year uh, after they beat Tampa Bay in the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, looking at, you want to go with your Eastern side first or hop, or you want me to? Yeah, you do your Eastern. Eastern side. So on the East, I've got the Florida Panthers losing to the Washington Capitals. Right now, the series sits at 2-1, to and the Panthers have an opportunity to tie it up at 2 on Monday night. But I've got the Caps prevailing in that series with Ovechkin and the rest of their really old players, honestly. they got a lot of veterans. Florida Panthers are a young team. They score a lot. They had the most goals in the league uh, this previous season. But I'm going to stick with the Capitals there. And then Toronto Maple Leafs versus Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to go with the Lightning prevailing in that series. Series is tied at 2-2 two to two currently with a chance for either squad to go up in the series 3-2 to two on Tuesday night. And then I've got the last two games out of the Eastern Conference. The New York Rangers losing to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And 7, if I had to guess, I would go 7 with the Penguins winning that series. And then I've got the Carolina Hurricanes falling to the Boston Bruins as well. So... The next round, I've got the Bolts versus Caps and the Bruins versus Pins. And in that series, I've got the Bruins beating the Pins, which is a tough one, but I've, I've got that going. And then I've got the Bolts defeating the Capitals. And then the uh, game right before the championship in the Eastern side is going to be Bolts versus Capitals. And my choice for that is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning going back to have an opportunity at a three-peat. Yeah, that'll be fun. Again, I'm pulling for the Lightning, of course, uh, but I think that their consistency has been a red flag to me. When they're when they're on, they're the best team by far. When they're off, they you know don't even look like they belong to be there in the playoffs. But over here on the western side of things, uh, Colorado Avalanche against the Nashville Predators, that's real tough. The Avalanche are going to sweep the Predators, uh, and they've been dominating that series. Colorado has put up some huge goal-scoring uh outputtings and, and they've obviously won seven to two in game one won two to one in overtime game two and then game three they scored seven more goals so Colorado 
And Nashville, one of those series where you're like, how did Nashville even squeak in against that opponent? Well, that's because Colorado, a top seed, and Nashville, a wild card team. Avalanche will sweep that. And then you're looking at Minnesota Wild. They're tied up with the St. Louis Blues as of now, the recording of this podcast. And I've got Minnesota. I know Paul McBride, a huge listener, a huge fan of this podcast, is upset with me on that. But I like Minnesota in this one. They've got a great goal scorer, um, insane player. Cahill Caprizi, I believe is his name. He's a really good goal scorer, and he's a young player there for the Minnesota Wild. I believe he's second right now in Stanley Cup playoff scoring. I think that the Wild beat the St. Louis Blues. And then on the lower half of the bracket, Calgary Flames against the Dallas Stars. I've got Dallas prevailing in that series. And then to round out the Western Conference playoffs, Edmonton Oilers against the LA Kings. I've got the Oilers for obvious reason. Uh, you know, they've got Connor McDavid. That dude is an absolute stud, and uh, I'd like to see him make a deep playoff run. So then in the top half of the bracket, Avalanche against against the Wild. I've got the Wild winning that series. You might be wondering why. Well, the Wild are taking on a pretty good team in the St. Louis Blues, whereas Colorado is playing a garbage league opponent in the Nashville Predators. So I've got the Wild being able to stack up better against the Avalanche than vice versa. And then I've got the Oilers beating the Dallas Stars in that next round. So you're looking at the Minnesota Wild taking on the Edmonton Oilers just before the Stanley Cup. And I'm going to go with Edmonton Oilers and the Stanley Cup for the Western Conference, which aligns my Stanley Cup prediction. The Edmonton Oilers against the Florida Panthers and the Panthers prevail in six games. Florida Panthers will be the Stanley Cup champions right here. This upcoming uh, Stanley Cup in a few weeks. Yeah, so in the West, I've got Colorado prevailing over the Nashville Preds. Of course, as you said, the series right now, 3-0. to zero, They're going to absolutely sweep the Predators. That's probably the biggest mismatch in the entire playoffs. If Colorado's ever going to win a Stanley Cup, this is their year. They are the team. I'm pretty sure they are the favorites out of the West to win the Cup. And then you've got the Minnesota Wilds facing the St. Louis Blues. Uh, that's going to be a good series. May go to seven, but I'm going to choose the Wild to prevail to prevail over Paul McBride's squad in that one as well. And then at the lower half of the bracket, you've got the Calgary Flames versus the Dallas Stars. I got to go with the Flames here. And then they're going to face the LA Kings. I have the LA Kings defeating Hmm. the Edmonton Oilers with their 36-year-old goalie, Jonathan Quick, picking up his first shutout since 2014 on Sunday night. And I think they're going to ride on Jonathan Quick. He had an, an amazing performance versus Edmonton. So the final four games, the final four teams of the Western Conference are the Avalanche versus the Wild. I'm going to stick here with the Avalanche. I think they are the best team in the West, and they're going to continue to show that. And then I've got the Kings losing to the Flames. So the Western Conference final is going to come down to the Flames versus the Avalanche. And I'm going to continue to ride the Avalanche down the hill. I got the Avalanche going to the Stanley Cup final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Lightning are going to win it in seven, the first team to three P. And I don't know how long, but it would be insane. I've got the Lightning winning, winning in seven, and I think the game seven is going to go into double overtime, and the Bolts are going to win. Oh, that's hot! That is by far the hottest hot take. Well, I take that back. That might be your second hottest hot take. The first being the fact that you predicted the um, Indianapolis Colts to lose to the Jaguars yeah. to knock them out of the playoffs this past football season in week 17, and they did just that. But, yeah, that's going to be hot. Double overtime win in game seven for the Lightning in that Stanley Cup. 
And uh, against the Avalanche, that would be a lot of fun. Here are the cup odds according to Playoff Puck. And looking here, the greatest chance to win the Stanley Cup, according to this diagram up on the screen right now, Colorado Avalanche with 19% chance to win it all. Second place being the Toronto Maple Leafs with 12% chance to win it all. The Lightning at just 6.2% chance to win it all, according to this graphic. And uh, these guys have been pretty spot on. Now, obviously, this changes with one performance, good or bad, for any team drastically. But as of now, I think that's pretty fair to say that the Avalanche are the best team in the league right now, and they're showing it right here in the playoffs. Yeah, and the thing with playoff hockey is if you don't have a goalie that you can rely on game in and game out, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. The Lightning have one of the best goalies in the league. He's not having the season that he usually has, but the Lightning, I, I believe they're going to make it out of the first round against Toronto. I just don't believe in the Toronto goalie in Campbell, who you saw last night he, on uh, Sunday night, he got pulled after five goals, should have been pulled after three. They stuck with him, went to the went to their backup, and he, he only gave up two goals, and one of those being an empty net, so he was only responsible for one of those goals. But you need a good goalie in the playoffs, and that's why I don't think Toronto should be second in odds to win the Stanley Cup with Campbell's play. Yeah, Campbell got pulled in that game, and uh, you could tell that he was disappointed in himself. The head coach was disappointed, but obviously trying to keep his goaltender in a positive mindset because they need him – uh, to really lock down that net here as we go forward because the Tampa Bay Lightning have so many goal scorers, so many different th uh, threats, and if they're on, they are the best team in hockey, 100%. So, yeah, and that's, that's really go. another reason why I like the Minnesota Wild with Flower as their goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, he's he's been a great goalie for so many years now. He's proven it over and over again. They're going to play the, they're gonna have to play the Colorado Avalanche if they do get out of their first-round series, which is going to be a tough task, but... I think Marc-Andre Fleury could give them a shot at beating the Avalanche, but I've still got the Avalanche winning that one. Their offense is insane. They've got a great defense. Goaltending, not the greatest, but with that team, I think the Avalanche are going to go all the way. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And as we advance into the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, we'll dive more into hockey and talk more in depth about each team and each matchup, hopefully starting this weekend. But Big news out of the NFL is the fact that the New York Giants released James Bradbury after failing to find a trade partner for the defensive back. He was a pro bowler just two seasons ago. Of course, he started his NFL career with the Carolina Panthers a few years back, I believe uh, five or six seasons ago. He's been with the New York Giants for a few years, um, and the Giants had to clear $10.1 million in cap space by letting this guy go. Several options here uh, for James Bradbury, could he go to the Kansas City Chiefs? Could he go to a team like the Philadelphia Eagles or the Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers, Kansas City Chiefs? Let's rule out the money situation here, Spence. If you're James Bradbury and you're defensive back and you think, hey, what's the most appealing landing spot for me? Out of the Raiders, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bengals, or the Steelers, which of those five teams would you go to if you're Bradbury? I'm looking away from all five of them, but if Ooh. I had to choose one of those, I'm going with the Raiders. But I think the biggest, the best fit for Bradbury would be the New England Patriots with Joe Judge as the new defensive coordinator in New England. I mean, even though he doesn't have the official title of defensive coordinator because for some reason the Patriots don't do that. It's always Bill Belichick, but they did get Joe Judge from the Giants. He thrived in the Giants system last year whenever or two years ago now whenever Joe Judge was the head coach. So I think James Bradbury to the Patriots would be good after they lost their starting cornerback, their number one guy in this free agency. 
Yeah, talking about J.C. Jackson, of course, but uh, James Bradbury would be a good signing for any team that can afford to do so. And you're looking at $10 million for one season, more than likely, is what he's going to sign for. Now, of those, we'll say six teams, including your New England Patriot team that you've suggested, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Chiefs, which of those teams would benefit most and would really take a jump to the next level? Is it the New England Patriots, or would it be like the uh, Cincinnati Bengals? Well, look, if you're if you're Bradbury, you're going to want to go to a Super Bowl contender. You're only playing there for one season. You get your money after this season, so you take you take whatever you can get, but you're going to want to go to a squad that has a chance at winning a Super Bowl. And out of those teams, the one that I really see realistically having a great opportunity is the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't see the Bengals making it back. Uh, it's difficult to make it back to the Super Bowl, especially with the age that they have. They're young players still. They may be more experienced, but Burrow going into his third year, Jamar Chase into his second, T. Higgins not even done with his rookie contract yet. A bunch of young guys on offense, but they do need a cornerback. I mean, Eli Apple, you saw him get toasted in the Super Bowl, but I like the Chiefs if I'm Bradbury, but I could definitely see the Patriots going after him, even though they're not a Super Bowl contender next season. Yeah, I agree. And there's my answer right there. If I'm Bradbury, I'm not going to New England just for that reason. But when you think about a landing spot, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think that they're out. You said it best. They're so young and so many things went their way last year. Almost too many things. Everything. So, I think two or three game-winning field goals from a rookie kicker, a guy who missed, what, maybe three or four field goals on the season, hit some 60-yard bombs, and everything went their way when it could. Whatever could benefit them happened every single game, it felt like, when they needed it most. And I just don't think that's realistic to expect of a great team year in and year out, a team even like the New England Patriots that have had a dynasty for years until two seasons ago when Tom Brady stepped away as quarterback. But, yeah, the Bengals will not be back. I don't, I'm not even sure that they're a true AFC contender for the playoff run this upcoming season. So if I'm James Bradbury, I'm dipping out on that option. I think the Raiders would be a cool fit for Bradbury. And that was kind of your first pick out of the five teams I originally stated right here in the Chris Mathis podcast. Yeah. And a lot of people think that it's wild that the giants release James Bradbury, but the giants aren't a team that's going to be able to contend at all next season. Daniel Jones is their quarterback. They're trying to see if he can be a good quarterback. He's already proven that he can't there. I don't understand why they didn't go after a guy like maybe Baker Mayfield or someone like that, but they stuck with Daniel Jones, so they're going to be stuck with him for this next season. But if you look at it, James Bradbury with the Giants just wasn't worth it for the Giants. They had to free up some cap space to sign their two guys in Evan Neal and Thibodeau that they picked in the first round, which are pretty expensive first rounders when you're looking at number five and number seven. So they had to get under the cap. James Bradbury, a Pro Bowl cornerback at the end of his prime, honestly, once you're 28 years old at the cornerback position he's maybe got two more years before they move him to safety so I don't I don't blame the Giants here for releasing James Bradbury I think if you're a Super Bowl contender you should look at picking him up but if you're not not worth the money yeah that was well said right there by Spence at L Savage Spence on Twitter and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what team does land James Bradbury because again for one year you're looking at a lockdown corner a guy that's really going to be a dominant X factor in your secondary, especially the young secondary. Uh, well, almost knocked off the uh, laptop right there. But I do think that James Bradbury would be a good fit, a good signing. Now, realistically, will he adjust to a new defense right away? That's something that you know only time can tell, and we'll find out. Uh, and our third item of the big three, quarterback situation for the Carolina Panthers, Sam Darnold. Uh, 
iffy quarterback last year at a hot start of the season. We talked about it when I think he had seven or eight touchdowns in the first three or four games. I think five or six of those were rushing touchdowns, so I took it with a grain of salt right away. But he really hit rock bottom rather quickly last season. Um, and they just drafted a, a quarterback, I believe, in the third round, Matt Corral. I'm curious to see how many games Sam Darnold will start before he you know, loses his spot or at least gives an opportunity for a rookie quarterback to step up and get his shot. Yeah, and that was a team that started off 4-0 on the season, ended up going 5-12. and And Sam Darnold got benched rather quickly in that season. He's not the guy. Uh, you're stuck with him, though, because after those four games, if you remember, the Panthers picked up his fifth-year option, so they were stuck with him regardless as soon as those four games were over, which was just a really stupid move by Carolina. But they're a team that's kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place right now. They've got young receivers and DJ Moore. They've got Robbie Anderson still on the squad. They've got Christian McCaffrey. Don't know how he's going to play next year. He's been injured so many times, but they're still paying him. They didn't look to move him this offseason like maybe I thought they would. So they they can't be a team that's going to just completely tank for the next crop of quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL draft. They've got to play for something, and I think Matt Corral is going to be their starter. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. And at you know this point and Sam Darnold's NFL career and the fact that he was such a letdown after the first four games last season, if I'm a Panthers fan, I'm not upset. I do think that there's a fine line in throwing him into the fire too soon. I think maybe you go to the to the uh, trade deadline before you toss this rookie in there because I, I'm not sure if any rookie quarterback in this draft class is NFL ready as in start right away. Um, so if I'm Carolina, if I'm a fan, I'm not putting – I hope that my team does not put Matt Corral in early in the season because then you're setting yourself up for failure. We saw it last year with Justin Fields. Granted, Fields had no weapons, no help from his head coach, but I do think that the Chicago Bears fell victim to that last year, and Justin Fields uh, was a product of being tossed into action a little bit early. And after the season was over, he talked about that and the fact that his head coach – you know, didn't help him out with the play calling, this and that. And uh, the, the revolving door continues with young quarterbacks being tossed into the fire pit in the NFL. Yeah, and the only quarterback that I could see maybe starting this season is still going to have to earn the job. He's the Pittsburgh Steelers rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett. He's going to have to battle Mitch Trubisky uh, during this offseason. And I don't know if he's going to win that battle versus Trubisky, who the Steelers signed two months ago, and they already drafted a quarterback number 20 overall, which was Bit of a weird decision, in my opinion. That's telling. But yeah, I look a lot. I look at Mitch Trubisky a lot like I do with Carson Wentz. Same type of quarterback. They're going to have a lot of turnovers. There is a little bit of upside, but you saw Carson Wentz fail in Indy last season. We'll see. He's got one last shot this year with the Washington Commanders, not the football squad anymore for some reason. We changed it to Commanders. But I feel like those two are very similar quarterbacks. But talking about rookie quarterbacks, all of them have an opportunity. You got Tannehill versus their rookie quarterback. And then you've got the Falcons with Marcus Mariota. He's going to be going against Desmond Ritter. Uh, Mariota's probably going to win that, but Ritter does have a chance to start down the line. And Matt Corral versus Sam Darnold. I see Corral winning out that starting job next season, but these rookie quarterbacks may not start. Like you said, I, I could definitely see them sitting for a year or two, like Kyle Trask did last season. Yeah, and even then, we're not sure as Buck fans if Kyle Trask is – is the guy after Tom Brady. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, 
whenever you have a rookie quarterback starting or sitting behind your starter, who's a stud, like you saw Jordan Love in Green Bay under Aaron Rodgers, we no one's no one knows if he's going to be a good quarterback. It's been two years, and you don't hear any good things out of him. I mean, whenever you look back to the 2018 draft with Josh Allen, you heard good things immediately out of that out of that uh, training camp with Josh Allen looked good in shorts, had a rocket arm. With these guys, you don't hear anything at all, and a lot of these guys aren't the most talented. You got Malik Willis with the Titans. I feel like he could probably be the best quarterback out of this draft. Kenny Pickett, the most starter ready quarterback coming into this draft. That's why he was the first one off the board, but none of these guys are, are franchise quarterbacks down the line. In my opinion, we talk about Teddy two gloves. Looks like Kenny, Kenny two gloves. Have you seen that he throws with two gloves on? How do you feel about that? I, I don't know. I don't like the, I, two saw, gloves I saw Richard Sherman call him out on his podcast and, I don't blame Richard Sherman for that because the only time that I've ever accepted a quarterback wearing two gloves, like inside of a dome was Peyton Manning in his final season when he couldn't throw the ball as hard anymore. So I just don't see why you're wearing two gloves as a rookie quarterback in the NFL. I think he is a bit on the older side. A lot of these quarterbacks were because a lot of these college athletes now have taken the uh, COVID year. So they're all like 24 years old instead of the usual 22, 23, 21. But I don't like the two gloves at all. Yeah, Kenny Pickett turns 24 in June. So before kickoff, 24-year-old yeah. rookie quarterback that was drafted high at that point. I should have looked at my guy, Joe Mancuso. But uh, either way, Kenny Pickett's a solid quarterback. We'll see if it translates to the NFL. I do like the fact that he played at Pitt and is now in Pitt with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a pretty cool story. And I know that uh, I saw some videos surfacing on Twitter of kids, diehard Pitt fans, freaking out when – the Steelers got him and he's going to be sticking around in town. Yeah. And I thought the Steelers guy the whole time was Malik Willis because Tomlin had gone on record saying he wanted a scrambling quarterback for the first time as a head coach. He was stuck with big Ben for so long. They did great together, but he wanted a guy that could open up the offense and they went with Kenny Pickett over Malik Willis. For some reason, Malik Willis fell. We still don't know why fell all the way down to pick 84, which is absolutely wild considering you have Kenny Pickett going two rounds ahead of him, literally two rounds. 64 picks away from each other. So mm-hmm. I thought Kenny Pickett was not going to be the Steelers guy. I thought Malik Willis, but he fell. And now they've got Kenny Pickett. We'll see how he does. Maybe he'll beat out Mitch Trubisky. But either way for the Steelers, you're kind of looking at it like this is a loss for your squad, considering you spent all of that money on Mitch Trubisky to be a bridge quarterback, maybe with Kenny Pickett having the opportunity to take the job. Just I think it was mismanagement. Yeah, and at the same time, how much do they think that Kenny Pickett can learn from a guy like Mitch Trubisky. How much does Mitch have to teach other than the fact that he was a starting quarterback at one point and then lost his job, set behind the great Josh Allen, and here he is potentially going to start for the Steelers, but that's up in the air, as you said. Yeah, they jumped the gun. As soon as free agency started, they 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 picked up Mitch Trubisky on a one- or two-year deal. I think it might have been a two-year deal with an option out after the first year, but if they would have waited just a little bit longer – I still think Baker Mayfield's going to be released or maybe the Browns will trade him. But if they could have waited a little bit longer, they could have Baker Mayfield mentor Kenny Pickett if they wanted to. And if Baker Mayfield, I think he could be a starting quarterback still in the league. He was injured last year. The Browns absolutely threw him into the fire. I mean, Nick Chubb's your running back. And he was averaging like 15 yards of carry in that Steelers game. And they just had, they just continued to make Baker Mayfield throw with TJ Watt coming in on the sack record. And he was half he was half off, and the head coach for the Browns knew it. I think he was in cahoots trying to show the world 
that Baker Mayfield is not their starting quarterback so they could move on from him. But I think Baker Mayfield still has an opportunity to be a top 15 guy in the NFL. And hopefully for him, for his sake, that he can get out of Cleveland. I hope he can. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I mean, there is a shot. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, obviously the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. But um, speaking of a team that I thought might be able to sign or would actually chase and look into Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback, that's the Seattle Seahawks. And Pete Carroll says that they're not looking to trade for a veteran quarterback. They like Drew Locke. In fact, he believes that Drew Locke would be the first quarterback taken in this year's draft. How do you feel about those comments? I mean, realistically, Drew Locke was a decent quarterback coming out of college. Do you think he was the best quarterback if he were to be in this year's NFL draft? No. this Drew Locke would be a third-round quarterback in this NFL draft. I don't care. His stock would have fallen. He probably would have been a projected second-round pick and fell down to the end of the third round. But people treat Drew Locke like he hasn't had an opportunity in Denver to start. He's had a couple of good receivers in Denver. They had a good tight end in oh, Noah yeah. Fant. I mean, he's had opportunities. They've had a good running game. They've had a great defense, and he didn't do shit with, with the Broncos. So people treat him like he's been a backup quarterback and hasn't had an opportunity, but he's had a lot of opportunities, and he would definitely not be the first quarterback off the board. I'm not sure why all these Seahawks reps or players, even even their head coach is just completely jacking up his his value right now because it's really not – he would not be a first-round pick. He would not be the first quarterback off the board in this draft. And even Richard Sherman said that he thinks Geno Smith should be the starter, who they re-signed yeah, with a two- or three-year deal. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think Drew Locke is their guy. Okay, so you just rolled out my next question because Drew Locke is in that quarterback room. Geno Smith, who was there sometime last year when Russell Wilson went down with injury. And, of course, Jacob Eason, former uh, Washington quarterback and – uh UGA transfer is also in that quarterback room too. Geno Smith, believe it or not, is the most proven of those guys. He was in that system last year. He had two or three good games out of four yeah. or five starts. Uh, there was one game where dad and I were watching it and Geno Smith was tearing it up. And I said, this guy's due for a pick. And he throws a pick and clutch moment at the end of the game. And they end up losing that game. But I think Geno Smith has to be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks until he loses that opportunity to start off this 2022 NFL season. Yeah, and the thing with Seattle is I think that would have been a good fit with a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's an upgrade of Drew Locke, same play style. Baker Mayfield is just a better quarterback in general. He would have costed more money, of course, but they traded for Drew Locke, which is the wild thing in that Russell Wilson trade where they also got Noah Fant. But I don't know. If I'm Seattle, a team that has no shot at the playoffs, absolutely no shot next season, maybe even an opportunity to shop DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or any of those guys. If I'm Seattle, I'm probably going to roll out with Drew Locke just to see, but I don't think he's, I don't think he would be the first quarterback out of this draft. All right, guys, that rounds out another episode of the Chris Mathis podcast. Again, the big three brought to you by information on demand, check them out at informationondemand.net. Spence, any final thoughts before we get into our next talk to him Tuesday guest? Go Bolts, eh? Go Bolts, eh? Hey, we're going to be talking with Gabby Carrier of Fresh Tape Media. We're lining her up for hopefully this upcoming Tuesday, but of course you can check us out on social media at TCM underscore pod or follow our individual socials at the Chris Mathis or at L Savage Spence. But Fresh Tape Media, 
Going to be a lot of fun to talk with uh, Gabby Carrier, Fresh Tape Media. They work all the big events such as the NFL Draft, NBA Draft, the Pro Bowl, uh, National Championship Games, the Super Bowls. They set up sets and they create content and experiences for those events. And she's got to work with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, everybody. It's been a lot of fun to be able to follow her career. And hopefully she joins us right here next week for Talk to Him Tuesday. Yeah, and I hope I can ask her if she watches hockey or maybe even gets to go and uh, check out one of these playoff games and talk about it on the pod next week. So I'm excited. There we go. The Chris Mathis podcast, as always. Thanks for tuning in. As for Spencer Mathis, I'm Chris Mathis. Check us out next Tuesday.